Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today Sandy Alderson, the former A's general manager who's now a special advisor to the A's front office, joins us to discuss his first year back with the team last year, the team's prospects for 2020, and the Astros cheating scandal. He has a very unique perspective on that. All of that next on A's Plus. Our guest today on A's Plus is a special advisor, Sandy Alderson, a longtime former GM of the A's and Padres and Mets and worked in Major League Baseball. I think, Sandy, you've pretty much had almost every possible executive job in baseball. How was your first season back with the A's last year when you came back as a, as a senior advisor with, for Billy and David and the rest of the front office? I really enjoyed it. It was... Um you know, at once familiar and and but but also interesting. You know, a lot of people that I know, but um, really interested in the way the A's um, you know conduct their business, how they function, um, the continuity that's here, but also just um, the depth of um, baseball knowledge across the board, analytics, traditional baseball, etc. And, uh, um, you know, I spent some time on the road with the Major League team. I did a little scouting, not much. I don't consider myself a professional scout. Um, but um, it was great. 97 wins. And uh, so having won 97 games the year before, I just stayed out of the way. Yeah. So <laughs> at least you could say you know you did not have any negative impact on the team. Right. Do no harm. Yeah. Um, how different – our major league front offices now from say when you were with the A's. I mean, there's a whole analytics department, which you, you, when you were with the A's, you were kind of at the forefront of analytics, but you were still working with a very small staff at that point. Well, just in terms of analytics, the difference today is in the amount of data that exists. Um, If you go back to the mid eighties, when we started doing this, some of these analytical concepts were just that. They were more concepts than they were proven. Um, So as a result, um, you know, we made a lot of decisions based on what we thought was right uh, on some basic arithmetic and math. But today there's so much data. In fact, there's too much data. And that's uh, unfortunately led us to some uh, problems uh, recently. And so um, very different in that respect. But also the demographics of front offices are entirely different you know when I showed up in 81 I was I was the odd person out um, everybody else had been in the game a long time either as a player or as a minor league executive or something like that um, today um, there's no such thing as an unconventional background so um, things are very different today yeah, now now it's uh, a lot of Ivy Leaguers. You were one of the few Ivy Leaguers, I think, probably in the executive suite at that point. Is that, that right? Probably. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started, I thought, you know, going forward into the future, there are going to be a lot more lawyers uh, involved. And it turned out there weren't that many lawyers involved, but there have been a lot of, uh, you know, other unconventional types that have uh, taken over. So... Uh, as I said, it's a pretty different place. 
How much uh, do you, when we talk about sort of the newer advanced metrics, are there ones that you kind of look at more than the others? Are there things that you find particular value in or are you more looking at some of the things like spin rate? Like spin rate wasn't really available back, you know, when you were in in Oakland. Uh, You know, we get so much now from uh, StatCast, Rapsodo, TrackMan, all of those things. What do you really feel like either should be emphasized or you like? Well, to put it in perspective, the only data that was available in the early 80s was essentially out-of-the-box score uh, in the newspapers. And so you had to kind of extrapolate from that. And we had some uh, consultants that would do uh, park adjustments, league adjustments, those kinds of things. But it was very rudimentary. Um, Today, you know, the... um, Personally, I like the, the, the statistical information that makes conventional sense so you know spin rates for example can be interpreted in a lot of different ways you know is is that vertical spin is it horizontal spin is it is it uh, um, something in between and so um, I'm not a biophysicist um, but uh, now um, launch angles uh, exit velocities those kinds of things make sense to me uh, the harder you hit the ball, the more likely you are to get a hit. Um, <clears throat> and we, which we kind of knew, I think. Yeah, but it's, but in terms of measuring that, it's only been in recent years. And so um, I think that explains, for example, why players continue to hit into the shift. Right. Uh, so um, anyway, I, 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 I tend to focus on the less esoteric, um, but the ones that make sense. Pitch framing. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, uh, now, there are others that, um, you know, as we, as we uh, evolve, become more and more uh, specialized. And there's always an edge there somewhere, uh, which is why people are always tempted to uh, garner that edge and maybe go over the edge. Well, I was going to kind of get into that with you a little bit later, but let's, uh, I guess we'll just dive right in. What has your, especially as somebody who worked in the league office, as you did, what has been your impression of all of this stuff with, with the Astros and allegations against some other teams with, um, you know, they're using technology to steal signs and potentially other forms of cheating via te- technology? Uh, you know, I was in a meeting the other day with Joe Torrey, and Joe Torrey said to himself, said out loud, but to, to himself and to the rest of us, I must be naive, but this kind of thing never occurred to me. And I have to say, I'm in the, I'm in the same category. Uh, but now, I think that um, teams like the Astros uh, deserve our suspicion. For example, they spent all this time on uh, benefiting hitters. What was going on with the pitchers? Yeah. Um, with respect to other teams around the league, there's no question in my mind that um, that this this uh, is also a possibility. I think with the advent of more and more technology and the usage of more and more technology that we end up with greater and greater temptation. I think these proprietary camera systems are a big mistake. Um, <clears throat> their usage is... Um, I think can be worthwhile, but can be perverted very quickly. Um, I mean, I've even taken the position that if I'm a player for the Oakland A's and I go into Houston, 
have I really given the Houston Astros permission to take pictures of me? Yeah. Uh, that's a violation of my privacy. That's a violation of copyright law. That's that's should be illegal. Forget about whether it's within Major League Baseball rules. Right. That should be illegal. Unless I grant permission, unless I consent. So, you know, in, in terms of... Maybe we do need more lawyers in the executive suites. Well, uh, <laughs> I haven't practiced law for a long time, so I'm, I'm pretty dangerous. I'm dangerous right now. I may be full of baloney, but I, that's the, that, you know... Um, the other thing is with the advent of technology, it's, it's no longer necessary to really pick up the phone and talk to somebody or actually go down to the lobby and mingle with people. It's, and when that happens, it's a lot easier to screw your opposition. Yeah. It's, it's a lot harder when you, you know, sit across a table from someone having a beer or um, um, talking casually uh, somewhere. Uh, and I think that impersonality that the game is breeding now is uh, one of the also the contributing factors. Yeah, well, and there's so much money. There is a sort of a win at all costs kind of mentality. But when you talk about things like video, you know, I, I know um, the commissioner mentioned the other day they've taken steps. They monitored the dugout phone. They've placed cameras around to, you know, maybe try to deter people from doing bad things. And there's this, the delay on the cameras in the stadium or at least the videos. in the, But but what's to prevent somebody from off being off-site having the access to those cameras and still somehow signaling to, to somebody me, in the to ballpark. Me it's, not, it's not just a question of what's live and what's historical. Um, <clears throat> to me, it boils down to the fact that, it, that and I, I use this as a rationale from my, my point of view, which is get all these cameras out. Yeah. Um, if you want to film your own players and you've gotten permission from your own players uh, to um, to film them, then that's fine. It's like wearables. You know, a lot of players don't want to put on wearables. Why? Because they're afraid the team is going to use those that data for some ulterior purpose. Right. Well, <clears throat> that's a problem in spades when the other team has your data. Right. So, um, to me, it's not a question of live versus um, uh, archived. It's a question of have I given you permission to take my picture for this particular purpose. For that purpose, yeah. And That's players right. give permission to use their likeness to televise a game. Yeah. Uh, um, you couldn't take my picture as a player and put it on a billboard in downtown Phoenix. No. That's yeah. a commercial use of my likeness. Well, why should you be able to take my picture and use it against me yeah. in a competition that is as commercial as a billboard? That's really that's interesting because I, I keep hearing about um, some teams pr possibly using um, virtual reality like headsets. So say you've got a virtual reality Sean Mania essentially, and you can have your hitters practicing hitting against a VR Sean Mania. You're saying that if in that, that instance, if that, VR, if that VR is taken from original footage that has been consented to by the player, it's fine. If it's taken from proprietary footage that the player never had a chance to say yes or no to, to me it's not, it's not fine. Yeah. It's illegal. Yeah. This is a whole new angle on, on this whole mess that I had never considered, and I, I think it's something that bears examination. Now, uh, having worked in the commissioner's office, you know um, the ins and outs of dealing with the union, how difficult things like that can be. Um, and 
dealing with disciplining clubs. Uh, what are your impressions of how Major League Baseball has handled all this, knowing, you know, especially, you know, you're dealing with a union that's trying to look out for the best interests of all of its players? I, I, think, I think Major League Baseball has done as, as good as it, a job as it could under the circumstances. There have been some missteps with respect to communication and, and, and interpreting um, and in the commentary subsequently even from MLB, but by and large, I think Rob Manfred has, has done the right thing. I think the problem is that the, a, that the Astros have basically hung him out to dry. They haven't apologized. They haven't even acknowledged that it had any impact on whether they won or lost. Um, and so basically the Astros are perpetuating this problem by not having that come to Jesus moment and just saying, look, and that doesn't mean to, that somebody has to come out and flat out admit I did this or I did that, but I don't see any real remorse on the part of the organization. I don't see any remorse on the part of many of the, or if not most of the players. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> They're sending a lot of mixed messages at the very least, the players. Okay, well, you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to do that. There was that. one day where most of them are saying, we're really sorry about that thing that we're not really going to say what it is. Um, and then the very next day, like Carlos Correa was saying, well, Mike Fires needs to say that Jose Altuve wasn't doing it, and he's the real MVP, and stuff like, you know, challenging Bellinger and things no, like that. The, the, the um, criticism of Mike Fires is totally misplaced. That's what I was going to ask you about. You this, know, yeah. <clears throat> loyalty is, a, is, a, is an important personal quality, but it's a very dangerous personal quality because to the extent that loyalty, quote unquote, um, overrides other uh, character attributes like integrity, moral courage, uh, truthfulness, um, you have a very dangerous situation. It's a situation we have uh, <clears throat> at more than one level in this country. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, loyalty, look, I was in the Marine Corps. I know what loyalty is. I know what, you know, being next to the guy, you know, uh, means. But it has to be predicated on something. Um, and uh, loyalty without integrity um, or that somehow um, makes it difficult to exhibit moral courage is, is dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. You need some sort of overall moral code. And if... You're, the guy next to you is breaking that. That's right. that's an issue. That's not. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting all spring because Mike Fires obviously being here with the A's uh, and being at the center of this uh, whole firestorm over the Astros. But he he's actually not the only one. He's the only one that put his name on it. There were, I think, several other players who spoke to the athletic and corroborated and and detailed some of the things, but they didn't put their name on it. To me, that shows even more courage and, and moral fiber from Fires that he was willing to put his name on it, especially having been the one guy who played for the Astros. Yeah, being able to do something anonymously doesn't constitute moral courage. So, <clears throat> look, we've all done things in life, uh, uh, what have you, that you know we're not we're not happy about, um, uh, but you know. One of the things that I've done in my career, 
This is not an ethical principle, it's a practical guideline. What I try to do when I'm faced with something is say to myself, if, assume this is gonna become public. Am I gonna be proud of this? Or is my family gonna be proud of it? Um, what is this gonna say about me as a person? And if you can't answer those questions positively, you better not do it. Right. You know? Right. So that's not really an ethical principle point of view. It's just a practical reality. And um, this stuff um, got out of hand. You're listening to A's Plus. We'll be back in just a moment with more from Sandy Alderson. Now, I think there are going to be those who listen to this podcast and say, well, you were running the A's in the steroid era. How much awareness was or even suspicion was there of some of those things? And how do you feel about the way that you and others in the game handled those at the time? So, very good question. And um, those of us who speak out about this situation have to be prepared to answer for other situations. Um, First of all, there there was... no organizational effort uh, to promote uh, steroids. So it's a very different situation. It wasn't a systematic kind of effort. Were there things that were going on at the time? Yes. Were there some that were apparent as possibilities? Yes. Were there others that weren't apparent at the time? Yes to that too. Um, At the time we, you know, I can recall, um, first of all, steroids were very um, so what would I say? Um, either not understood or misunderstood. Uh, I'd never heard of steroids until 1988 uh, with um, the Olympics and so forth. Yeah. Um, so there was there was a naivete there as well. But I think what in in cases where we suspected it, um, we approached it the way we had approached other. Um, drug abuse at the time and previous, which was basically uh, try to urge someone to go to a doctor, um, uh, appeal to a moral, um, again, in a general sense. um, Did I suspect Jose Canseco of using steroids? Yes, I did. Um, Did I suspect McGuire? No, I didn't. Should I have? Yeah, probably. so, but I think the difference in this is that it's, it's, it's a top-down thing, which uh, is, is, you know, very different. Yeah. I get asked about the steroid thing, too. I was covering, I covered the Rangers in the mid-90s, and then I obviously was covering the A's. Um, and I remember talking to a couple of A's players in the late 90s, early 2000s about the issue before testing was instituted and, and right before the Balco thing. And the two guys who I would say on the A's who are most potentially uh, suspected at that time, and one of them kind of gave, who usually answered every question and was very gregarious and, and accessible, and he said, oh, like, look at the time I gotta go hit, I hear somebody calling my name, I gotta go. And the other one looked me in the eye and gave me a 10 minute explanation of how people using steroids are cheating him and, uh, yeah. and out of his money and blah, blah, blah. And I think you'll be not surprised to hear that both of them were um, in the Balco case and wound up having to testify. So um, there's only so much, I think, as an executive uh, or as a reporter, any, anybody, you know, you, we don't have subpoenaed power, we don't have lie detectors, we can't do any sort of right. illegal searches. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying that's okay. I think it would have been great if MLB had instituted testing 
earlier when it first became a problem, but again, then, then you're also dealing with the union. So You know, testing didn't really become <clears throat> a possibility until uh, MLB decided to participate in the Olympics in 19, in the uh, 2000 Olympics. And the, the testing really started as a result of, of uh, um, participation in the Olympics and before that the Pan Am Games to, to um, qualify. And so there was, <clears throat> it was one of those, well, if we're going to do this, I think not only from MLB, but, but more importantly from the union, then, then we'll, and it was confidential, et cetera, et cetera. But that's really how it started, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, obviously that was a, a, also a stain on baseball and, and unfortunate, but uh, eventually at least was addressed. So there, I think we're going to have concerns about this issue for a long time as we're dealing with technology now. Um, you, uh, as we discussed, you're now kind of involved in the, um, the, with the A's on the field product. What do you think coming into the season following two 97 win seasons, two wild card appearances, uh, and with a team that for an A's team has had very little turnover coming yeah. into the season? <clears throat> well, really good team last year, and I think we have a chance to be better this year, particularly with the starting pitching. You know, I remember last year, Billy saying, look, <clears throat> let's just hold on until we get those guys back and see what happens, say, at the deadline. Um, <clears throat> and we didn't get off to a great start. Um, this year, I think we have a chance to be as good at the beginning of the season as uh, we, we often have been at the end of the season. These young pitchers, I don't think, get quite as much credit as, as they should nationally. Puck uh, Puck, Lazardo, um, just the whole group. Um, you know, Chris Bassett. Um, this is a pretty deep group, and uh, um, you know, if they perform the potential, they're young. But um, I think by the end of the season, we could have a <clears throat> we could have one of the top handful of rotations in the game. I think that you might be right there. And I, I look forward to maybe talking to you about it down the line. Sandy Alderson, thanks so much for being a guest on A's Plus. Okie doke. Our thanks again to Sandy Alderson for joining us on A's Plus. Our producers today were G. Allen Johnson and King Kaufman. We'll be back again later in the week with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at sslusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.